Just look at the cover of your outline, if you would, with me. And just to go through this introduction. It says, when the father of the prodigal was standing daily at the gate looking for and in his heart of hearts hoping for the return of his son, the meditation of his heart was this. On Friday mornings, I was just up and reading and praying and going through this. The Spirit of God just began to speak this first part of this message to me. And it was this. Oh, my son, you were created and meant for better than this. God's original intent for your life. I know is higher than where you are living today. Return home. Return to the path of life you were created for. And the life God ordained for you to live. I want you to just catch the picture of the prodigal's father. In my mind I can see him. Because the Bible says, and, I, and, and, and sometimes we interject things. It doesn't say this in the Bible. But what it does say is that when the son returned to himself, came to himself and returned home that the father saw him coming a long ways off. Which meant that he was, to me in my mind, that he was daily looking for him. That, that, that he wasn't at home. That there was a time, and I believe it was every morning that, and, and I've kind of shared that this is just my picture of it in my mind, that, that he would walk, if you would, to the end of the driveway or the gate and stand there and maybe look both ways. And in his heart he's thinking, could this be the day that my son comes home. And for me it's kind of like this. I, I believe every week or every time we gather. And people assemble together. I guarantee you every time we gather. Not everybody in here is where they should be with God. And the heart of God is doing the exact same thing. He's looking. And I believe he's feeling is this today that they really come home. That they really come back to restoration. But I believe the father was just there looking. And this was musing over in his heart. And he's just thinking, oh my son. You were created and meant for better than this. Return home. Return to the path of life you were created for. And the life God ordained for you to live. See, I believe this. That fathers weep for prodigals because they made some of the same choices. I don't know about you. I made some of the same choices. Amen? I believe that they experienced the same feelings and emotions. And never want their children to know their pain and experience their loss. I believe that fathers weep for prodigals because they've been where they are and know their despair. How many would agree? I believe that our Heavenly Father is the source of every feeling and emotion that we have for our children and for their welfare. Because we're created in His image and in His likeness. And in giving us the ability to procreate, He also gave us the opportunity to know in the first person the joys and the pain of His heart. See, my Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one lost soul that comes home. Over one sinner that is restored, that repents, that is received God's right. All of heaven rejoices. But I believe God's heart breaks for everyone that hasn't come home yet. And every parent that has a child living right for God and doing right and maybe has one that's gone knows the Father's heart. Because while you rejoice with those that are there, your heart 
breaks and grieves for those that aren't where they should be. How many would agree? I, and I believe we get that feeling from God. And I, I believe God did so much. And I, and I meditate on this all the time. That there, there's the parallels of the natural and the spiritual. That when Jesus came, He taught natural examples to illustrate a spiritual principle. He, the kingdom of God is like this. And, and, and He said, men sowing seed is a man going to a far country as, as plant a tree growing up. And He made all these natural... But it was the illustration... Of the kingdom and of the spirit. Are you with me this morning? He, he illustrated it by that. And the greatest illustration that he gave. For our relationship with him. Is the relationship that a man has with his wife. And a father and a mother with their children. The book of Proverbs speaks to us about that. So many different points in the word of God. Deal with relationships in the natural. That illustrate our relationship with God in the spiritual. Would you agree? Amen. So I believe we're created again in His image and His likeness. And He gave us that ability to experience in the first person His heart. The heart of the prodigal father is Christ illustrating to us the heart of our heavenly Father for His children. I also believe that God the Father has a heart that is broken for His sons and daughters. And that He longs for their safe return and weeps for all who have perished and will never return. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I don't believe God rejoices over the fact that hell has been enlarged. I don't believe God has, has any type of, of uh, a, a sense of they got what they deserve, they earned that in any way, shape, or form. God's heart breaks. My Bible says that He's not willing that any would perish. That He is long-suffering. That He endures. And, and greatly beyond anything we can comprehend, He wants nobody missing out. Everybody was created. Man was created for His presence. And anybody that misses that, I believe the heart of God breaks for that. Amen. And, and, and if you would, how, how do we say when, when a parent, uh, we pastored and have parents who, whose children have, have passed before they have, and that and their heart breaks in that law, that loss. Are you with me? It's an unnatural loss for children to go before their parents. How many know what I'm saying? And that's what God feels about when people don't find reconciliation with Him and they're going to be separated. That sense of separation, that agony, that grief that you would feel being separated from your child. Never being able in this life, never being able to be joined with them again, knowing that they are gone from you for the rest of your life, they are gone. But God sees it for the rest of eternity, they are gone from my presence. So the, grief, the joy we feel, the grief we feel, I believe is because we're created in His image. And He made us no life and no relationship as He knows it. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Everybody say, all people. You know what that means? It means there's no chosen people. 
there's no chosen church, there's no, there's no chosen, I mean, God has a promise to Israel, but they aren't His only chosen. We are chosen as well. There is no just, a, you know, just a spiritual whole Bible people like we seem to think we are, which we're not because we're a favorite word people. If we were a whole word people, we wouldn't be doing the stuff we do. Because the Bible says don't do that stuff, but we ignore that stuff, so we're not whole word people. But they, to all people, verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a what? There is born to you this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. And so this is to all the people, so everybody needs a Savior. And this is being proclaimed to them. Is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I'm telling you today, the only reason, and, and, and I thought about this, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? The other day I was coming up here, Thursday morning I'm driving up and I'm pulling off. I'm thinking, wait a minute. We are the only nation that is allowing the foundation of who we are to be attacked and be destroyed. We don't do that to other nations. But we're doing that internally to ourselves. Everything that we are. And Ch China would not allow you to immigrate and redefine their culture. Brazil won't allow you to immigrate. Zimbabwe won't allow you to immigrate and redefine their culture. But we're allowing ourselves and everything we are to be redefined as a nation. Are you listening to me? And in that, of who we are and what we believe about God and our faith, the very core of the foundation that we were built upon is being redefined. And so America is being undefined. And if we allow ourselves to be completely undefined, we will no longer exist as a nation because it is what defined us at the beginning that caused us to rise to any level of greatness or influence in the world. And the same thing happens when the church, what the problem with the church of the United States is, is the same redefining process that is happening in our nation on a national level is happening within the church and the church is content to allow itself to be redefined and when we get redefined from God's original intent, God's original purpose, and plan for His church, we will cease to exist as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not even in here, but it had to be said. Verse 12, And this will be the sign to you. I know why I said that. He is Christ the Lord. And that's because the one name nobody likes is Jesus Christ. You can't say Christmas because it begins with Christ. Happy, I, I, I just get a knot anymore with the whole holiday thing. That's right. Next time I say, somebody says, Happy Holiday, say yes. Happy Holy Day. It is. Yes, you're right. It is a holy day. Christ the Lord was born on a holy day. Amen. Now why? Well, people will look at me like I'm strange. They already look at you like you're strange. Give them a good reason. Why? Who cares? What? 
they know you? Amen? Now what? And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now listen, and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. We just sang it. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And I started putting this together. God, why would you send your son? Because I believe God's plan. God has an original plan. Everything you read in the Bible is to bring us back to the original plan. All of redemption is to get us back to the original plan. All that God's working and why it takes so long. Everything that has to happen to get back to bring restoration. That is what God is doing. All He is doing since Adam bought into the lie is bringing us back to the original. Are you with me this morning? Follow along. So it was then that the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Now let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Look at this with me. I'm sending. Think about that. God said, I'm sending to you my son today a Savior. The declaration of the angels was nothing less than a declaration that God will never be satisfied with less than his original intent for our life. Think about it. He will never cease to call out our name. God is not going to... If you're here today and you're being casual with God and you're in the church thing and you bought into the American culture of Christianity, then God is never going to quit calling your name until you come all the way back to His original intent for your relationship with Him. You're never going to be comfortable in church. You can go find a comfortable church, but while you're in a comfortable church, you won't be able to get away from His voice because His voice goes wherever you are because He loves you with an everlasting love. And as long as you're breathing air, He won't let go of you. He will keep looking for you. He's looking over heaven and He's calling your name down the road of life. Is this the day you come home? So whether you stay in what would be called an uncomfortable church like ours where we preach the gospel not caring how you feel about it or you go to a church that doesn't preach the gospel because they're concerned about your feel about it. Either way, you'll never get away from the voice of God. He calls out... Calls us out of our hiding from our choices and back into His presence. Hear me in Acts, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3. God just comes walking down in the cool of the day after Adam had made his choice. He just said, Adam, where are you? You're hiding in your choice. Come out from the place where you're hiding and come back into my presence. That's all God is doing in your life. The call of God. Come out from hiding from the consequences of your choices and come back into my presence. God is calling us back into His presence. Would you agree with me this morning? I don't have time to read it, but if you'll read Romans chapter 5 and the verses are there in 1 Corinthians 15, the Word of God declares completely that He is calling us out of Adam and into Christ. You were born in Adam, but you are being called into Christ. You were born in the transgression that was handed down from Adam upon all men, being the father of all humanity, passed down, that DNA of sin passed down to you, but you are being called out of Adam and into Christ. And my Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that if any man be in Christ chooses to step out of Adam and into the Lord Jesus Christ that he is a new creation all that old has passed away and all things are becoming new are you with me this morning 
Amen. Second Corinthians or Ephesians chapter two. And if you would turn over there quickly. We are living in the day of the walking dead. I'm not just talking about the show. One of the stupidest shows I've ever seen in my life. I tried to watch it once, it was stupid. Prophetic, but stupid. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead. People say, man, I'm living the good life. You're living the dead life. There's no good life. Outside of Christ, there is no life. If you're not in him, you're dead. And so, in, listen, Romans 5 said, in Adam all died. In Adam all died. And you were dead. But He has made you alive. Amen? Wow. So He calls us out of death and into life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have life to its fullest. That means to know, to experience, to live and enjoy all that the original Creator had in mind for you and designed in you. Amen. Jesus declared that man was living beneath His original intent. You find anybody in life that's going through things. Where I was, and that's really when I said during the offering, I'm amazed at God's love. But when I came to Him, I came with Him with a life that had been lived below the life that He intended for me to live. Since December 13, 1978, I found out that Ephesians 2.10 is true. That He had already preordained a path for me to live. And when I tell people my story and how I got to where I am today, it is a living testimony that God had a path already planned for my life. And all I had to do was keep my heart and my eyes on Him. I don't have to plan everything I love, everything I've done. He makes sure that I'm happy, that I'm content in Him. He doesn't want us having to look someplace else. God takes care of you so that no matter what condition you're in, whether He's asking you to sacrifice and serve Him in a destitute place, whether He asks you to go to a foreign country, whether He asks you to be a place where you don't have what we would call all the comfort, but even in that place, He has a way of keeping you content and keeping you covered and keeping you provided for. Somebody should say amen. And so you live. He has that path for us to live on. And it's amazing that you find out God is Greatest place of freedom and release in our life where we don't have to do, we just have to live and follow your path. So we experience and live and enjoy all that the Creator, the original Creator had in mind for you and designed in you. We were created for so much more than what we are living to. Amen. We're created for so much more than what we were created for. But without going back to the original place, we never understand how and why we were made and never truly comprehend all that we were intended to be in life. And we did that a little bit a few weeks ago. Listen to me, Jesus didn't come to add to. Jesus didn't come to add to your life. Jesus is not here. Christianity is not an add to gospel. There's nothing about adding to. Christianity is a raise to new. Jesus didn't come to add to the old. Listen to me, the old is dead. 
Next time you go to a funeral, when they have the open casket, just go up and throw 100, 100 bucks in there. Say, I'd like to bless you real good today. And watch the response. They'll sit right up. Glory to God, going to heaven with a bankroll. No, they won't. They're dead. You can't add to dead. You can't make dead better. Dead is dead. Somehow we think God came to make dead better. You're not going to add to dead. He didn't come to make dead better. Well, Lord, if you could just fix this, 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 and this. No, it's all dead. He didn't come to fix dead. He came to raise you to a brand new life. You are, listen, that's, that's why the term is born again. Raised as a brand new life. Not a remade, reconditioned old life. We've been satisfied. And see, like when you do renovation, there's some things you can do. You know, I used to kind of watch it and then it got carried away. But, but, but they used to do that extreme home makeover thing. And they'd come in and figure out how much of the house they could save. And, and then they finally got the place. They just started bulldozing them all. That's kind of where we are. We come to God and we go, well, God, you know, this room's not too bad. That room, and Eli did a great job last week on our baggage and doing all that. Well, God, this isn't too bad. That's not too bad. You can renovate. That's messed up over there. Take that room out and this stuff over there. But God, let's not, let's not completely tear that down. Just a little paint on the wall would fix this room. That's all it needs. A little paint, a little floor. And, this, and, and the Lord said, no. What we need to do is bulldoze the whole thing and give you a brand new home. That's what God does to you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when you say, God, just renovate my life, just make a little bit, a little of the dead better and doing that stuff, you're asking God to come live in something that is half dead. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God said, this is why I will create a house for myself. And I will create my dwelling. And so He forms us and He reshapes us and He creates in us a place where He can dwell by His Spirit. But in Him, and Pastor Andre said it with in Him is light and is no darkness at all. And when we're trying to hold on to some of the darkness and ask God to come into our life and be light, every time He comes in, it just isn't working because light and dark cannot cohabitate. Light dispels darkness. And so then you're wondering, how come I never get comfortable in this Christian thing? Because it's not a Christian thing. It is a brand new life. Unto you this day was born a Savior. A Savior from what? Your old dead life. And God wants to raise you up in newness of life. Hallelujah! Well, Pastor, I'm saved. Uh, hallelujah! I'm just giving you some ammo for people who aren't. And most of us aren't as saved as we think we are. Having a conversation with my son Austin. And I told him this Friday, I said, son, you were raised in a godly home. You've known God all your life. You know everything about God. And you thought knowing was choosing How many heard what I just said? You thought knowing was choosing. You know about God, but you 
are now choosing God. Amen? Why did the prodigal leave? Because he knew everything about his father, knew everything about his father's child, knew what his life was going to be like, knew all, he knew all about it. And then he chose his own path. But then when he came to himself, he didn't come back knowing about his father. The only thing, he, the only, you know what he knew when he finally came to himself? <laughs> the servants at home got a better life than me. I'm going to go home and just be a servant. Forget the son thing. Forget the entitled to thing. I'm going to go home and be a servant in my father's house. But when he came home, how many know sons will never be made servants? God doesn't restore us to servants. He restores us to sonship. Amen? Think about it. Guys, how many know we're living in an amazing time? An amazing time. I truly believe that we are no longer living in a day when we can be casual or complacent, disengaged and isolated from our responsibility and God's original intent for our lives. Pastor Tim Delene, a great friend of mine, I love him, awesome guy. And uh, from what I understand, probably soon to be the next pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. And uh, resigned in Detroit to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle to be there as associate and and uh, Brother Donnie told me that, they're, they're, uh, that that's their goal, is that he would take over as a senior pastor there eventually when Pastor Jim resigns. But uh, he, he'll, every now and then he'll put a few things. But yesterday he posted on the Wall Street Journal, your Supreme Court's going to take up the uh, Defense of Marriage Act on a national level, even though, and, and we're as a nation, that's why I say the foundations were being redefined. It doesn't matter whether it's that or any other issue. They already cited with Roe versus Wade that that's a, a personal issue and stuff. And so this year so far, we've murdered over 1.2 million babies in America. Over 57 million babies since 1973 in Roe versus Wade. Over 57 million babies have been murdered in America. Let me just say that again. Since 1973, over 57 million babies. Amen. And they just said, hey, it's a personal choice. And what's sad is, is that the ladies who are going through that and the grief and the pain, no, no matter what is sold them around, there is a wound that a woman carries when that happens. That needs to be understood. That needs to be ministered to. That needs to be able to find compassion and understanding. And that. And there are women. It's Pastor Darwin and, and Benjamin and Yolanda. They have a whole ministry just helping women who have gone through that. To find healing and restoration. But we're doing that. And so if, if they redefine marriage. They just said that some appointed people can redo the vote of the populace. Everything about our nation is being changed. Are you listening to me? And when we go down that road, but we can't be where we are. We can no longer just be Christians. You just come in, take care of our own personal salvation, and live our own personal lives and don't understand that we have accountability before God for what's happening and to be that voice and to be that salt and to be that light. Would you agree? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that there's a call to arms that's being issued from heaven. A call to review our stance, renew our desire, replace our apathy with passion, 
renounce our complacency, return to our first love, retake the place that is rightfully ours, restoring what was lost and reconciling what has been separated from God's original intent. To go back to a place where we can once again have boldness before the throne of grace and truly find help in our time of need because of the confidence we have in Christ, knowing that our account of sin before God has been reconciled in Christ. Let me just say this to you. If, if, if I don't have a new life experience in God, then it's hard for me to have confidence in God in prayer. I believe one of the hindrances to people in their prayer life is the reality of knowing what I'm holding on to and I'm trying to negotiate with God over. And so out of that, I don't have a clear conscience before God. And so Paul says in Romans, he wrote to Timothy, he says, Timothy, hear me please. We go out armed only with our faith and a clear conscience. The only thing you're armed with is your faith and a clear conscience before God. And the only way to have a clear conscience before God and to have boldness before the throne to find grace to help in your time of need is just in that fact. That God, I have been raised up out of the deadness of my old life and I'm not living an old life glazed over with Christianese. I'm living a new life in Christ. And in that new life, I don't justify myself. I am already justified in Him. In my new life, I, I, I don't have any account, accountability. Everything has been wiped clean. My debt is paid for. I have already had supernatural debt cancellation. We got distracted by money and gave up on the sin thing. And so sins come back in. And the church got rich, but sin came in with all the money. And I'm not against using money as a tool. Are you listening to him? You can't preach the gospel without money. We can't have a gym without We aren't meeting here without money. But money is a tool to build the kingdom of God. Right. Amen. Amen. Not to have a glorified, sanctified, worldly life. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. Amen. So in Genesis 2-7, it's God that declares that He formed man, breathed into His life, and He became God's original intent for man. Hear me this morning. Today, prayer is a place where we allow God to reform us. And we've taken that away. Our churches used to have altars. We used to have altars. We still have altar call. You go to most churches in America today, they no longer have altar call. They don't ask people to come forward. They don't ask people to pray. They don't ask people to humble themselves before God. But I'm telling you this. If you never put your hand in the hand of God, your life in the hand of God, He can't form you. He is the potter you are the clay in his sovereignty God made you an authority and when Adam fell in the beginning man became a self-sovereign God didn't create you to be a self-sovereign he created you to be one in relationship with him and when you never come into one in relationship with him you're trying to preserve your sovereignty and somehow acknowledge his sovereignty that's why marriages don't work two self-sovereigns come together and neither one wants to die. Well, me, 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 me. And that's why your marriage smells like wee, wee, wee. That was a good word. Hallelujah. Wee, weeing on yourself.
One of the favorite words in the church is that pissed me off. Yeah, you're pissing all over your own marriage. I know it's Christmas. supposed to be my wife telling me to stop. Put your Christmas name. But listen, listen to what I'm saying this morning. Wayne and Sean prayed for me before that the Holy Ghost would give me words to say that weren't in my message. Listen to me. Today, prayer is a place where we allow God to reform us. I'm going to ask Bill to come back to the keyboard. Into His image. And once again, to breathe again His life into us. So that we become again His man according to His original intent. You think I say radical things. I don't say it. Just read your Bible. God has some radical things to say. I'll give you one. Two self-sovereigns. Amos said it like this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No. No. And a man and a woman have to die to themselves... To be new together as one. A man and his God. Listen, listen. We fight over dying to ourselves. God died to himself for you. By sending his son to a cross for your sins. God died to himself for you. And so for Him to ask you to die to yourself to be joined to Him is easy. And He doesn't ask us to do it physically. He asks us just to choose to let the old go. And to let Him raise us up in the power of the resurrection. Paul said, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. The Gospel is the Gospel of resurrection. Resurrection. The dead raised to life. Being alive in God. You and I, my friend, when we come to that place where once again He can form us, and then breathe again His life into us so that we become again His man according to His original intent. Being born again, raised new, restored, reconciled. Ephesians 2.10 We are recreated in Christ. Recreated, reconciled, redeemed, restored to His path of purpose for our lives according to His original intent. His purpose, design, aim, End, objective, and goal. That's what intent means. But you know what? In the garden, there was a voice that came and said, you can have better than that. And that's what we wrestle with. You can have better than that. And in our churches today, like I said, we don't give altar calls. And so we still call people to the altar here. 
I still call you. I'm never, please hear me. Hear me, and if you would, forgive me at the same time. Because I will never take your salvation for granted. I will never assume that you are 100% right with God. Because the moment you take anyone or anything for granted, a husband and wife that have taken each other for granted for too long have drifted apart. Are you with me? And people who think everything's okay, relationships break apart and people go, I thought everything was okay. I, I just assumed everything was okay. And somebody had drifted apart. Because they never engaged to ask, how are we doing? Amen? They never set aside time for each other. And the same thing is, when we go with our Christian walk, if you never take time to get along with God, you never come to an altar anymore because you're too sanctified to pray in front of people. then you might be taken for granted. I want to stay at that place where my life stays pliable before God. David prayed like this, said, Lord, reveal to me my inward heart. If there's any, in, in, in Psalms 139, the great place, David said, where, how can I hide from your presence? And he goes through this whole scenario. And then said, Lord, read my life and my heart like an open book. If there's anything hidden within my life, Reveal that to me so that I might confess it and deal with it and be right. I want nothing between our relationship to affect our relationship. David was a man who made great mistakes, but he knew how to have a right heart before God. And he was never afraid of the altar, of coming to that place where allowing God to put his hands back on him and inform him and shape him and mold him into the man that God created him to be. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. In the next few moments, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But I believe today with all my heart that God, like the prodigal father, is at the gate looking to see. And my friend, it takes more than a prayer that says, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Thank you, I'm born again. It takes more than that to be saved. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. But this is a resurrection in God. You are, the Bible says you are recreated. Ephesians 2.10, we are recreated in Christ. Formed anew. Somewhere in that process. Just keep praying right now. I read the other day by John Wesley and he was talking about that people, he encourages them after all the prayers and everything, that they find a time somewhere to get alone with God and pray a prayer of dedication with God and, and just allowing God to place His hands upon their life. And they renew a vow and a commitment to God. All I'm saying to you is that Good news came and was unto you this day as born a Savior in the city of David, Christ the Lord. And He comes to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men. God has made peace for you through the sacrifice of His Son. 
He's declared His goodwill towards you. And this morning, I love you, but I take nothing for granted. In your relationship, I meet with people about their marriages. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. And then they break up. Everything's good, then they break up. You ask people, how are you doing with the Lord? Oh, man, I'm good. God and I are tight. And then you don't see them again in church. So something between what they declare and what they live is different. And today, I don't know where you are. But unto you has been born a Savior. And I know that there are times when me personally, after all these years, I have to keep my heart right before God. And I'm just saying, if God's moving on your life, whether it's for your marriage, whether, however it is, whatever, if you've never given your heart completely to God, then this altar is open right now. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. You can get up. Nobody will know you move. You can get up and come here. If you need anonymity, you can have that. But never be afraid to respond to what the Holy Spirit's pulling. If you feel God pulling on your heart in any way, don't sit where you are. Move to a place called an altar. And just find a place of prayer. I can't pray you through. I can pray for you. I can pray with you. But I can't pray your prayer for you. I can't dedicate your heart for you. I can't make your choice for you. I can't return for you. You have to do that. I can't let go of that thing for you. I can't negotiate your sin for you. I can't work that for you. But if that's you, as Bill just continues to play, move right now. In Jesus' name. Some of you in here, you've been negotiating with God. You know you are. You're a negotiator. Move right now. While we were worshiping, Teresa had a word and somebody here with deep depression today. You came with deep depression. God is a God of healing for your life. Your depression is pushing you almost to the place of suicide. It's, it, it's, it's, it's weight, heavy burden. Move to this altar right now and let God touch your heart. Move right now. Somebody else is having trouble with your gallbladder. If that's you, come so we can pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep praying for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, you are the great healer. You're the healer of our lives, Father. We thank you for that. You're the restorer and the renewer. Please don't resist God today, my friend.
Father, we love you. We love you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord still pulling on hearts. I'm not going to move until he releases me.
Come on, just worship Him. Give Him praise just out of your heart. Hallelujah. To allow Him to be your Savior completely. Come on, don't hold anything back. Come on, don't leave anything undone. Thank Him He's made you new. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Father, we thank you that unto us has been born a Savior. Lord, we're not trying to hold on, preserve, protect anything from our past. We want the new life that you have for us, all of it. God, we want your original intent for our lives. We don't want something we've made over something we formed and fashioned and calling that good enough. We don't want a life that we can conceive. We want want the life that you formed for us, Father. We say yes to you with all that we are. We honor you this day. We commit to worship you and to serve you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that, just say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. We're going to be here at 3 o'clock. We'll meet back here at 3 to go over to uh, uh, Gold Country Retirement Home over here and up to uh, Placerville Pines and uh, just do some Christmas caroling for some of the seniors in the set.